well. Uh, we're continuing tonight looking at our, um, our series here based in Proverbs. And uh, if we want a title for tonight, it's um, A Life to Live. And um, we're basing our thoughts tonight on Proverbs 15 and starting at uh, verse 16. I'll read it off here and then I don't have to put these on. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fatted calf with hatred. A hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the righteous is a highway. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Folly delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight course. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisers they succeed. A man finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. The path of life leads upward for the wise, to keep him from going down to the grave. The Lord tears down the proud man's house, but he keeps the widow's boundaries intact. The Lord detests the thought of the wicked, but those of the pure are pleasing to him. A greedy man brings trouble to his family, but he who hates bribes will live. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart, and good news gives health to the bones. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home amongst the wise. He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. The fear of the Lord teaches man wisdom, and humility comes before honour. To man belongs the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. Sorry, we've gone on, gone on to the next, uh, what's it there, Anta? That'll be for somebody else. Okay. Thank you, Tim. <coughs> if we can have our um, PowerPoint up, please. And uh, just for a, a minute, maybe, um, just turn to the person next to you and um, just um, ask each other a question. Have you ever heard any of those proverbs before? Okay. Um, or, uh, that's the first question. The second question is, is there something that's kind of leapt out, um, like one of the proverbs that's leapt out this time, that you just think, oh, wow, that's just so apt. Okay. So do that just for a minute or two. Um, talk to the person next to you. How are we doing? Some of those uh, maybe possibly slightly familiar, some of them proverbs maybe not so. Um, Quite a mixed bag, really. Um, I suppose um, if we were talking with the the, um, youth, uh, they would say they were quite random, some of them. Um, And yet, 
they're all they're all gold, aren't they? They're all, they're all kind of um, you know people would pay a lot of money to go to a life coach and have them spout things like these proverbs at them, you know, um, in this day and age. So uh, here's a bit of an overview for tonight. We're going to look at these random set of wise sayings that are thrown together in, uh, in this passage that we've looked at. Uh, so there's actually 18 sermons in there. Okay, so get ready. Um, maybe at that you're feeling a bit like that bloke up there. Really? Is he serious? Well, there are, because there's 18 different proverbs in there. Um, <clears throat> but I've had a bit of a look at it, and there's maybe some kind of um, some themes. Um, uh, some themes that we can uh, draw from tonight and under this umbrella of uh, life and living, things we can apply to life and living. Um, like I said earlier, what, how great, what a gracious Father God we've got that he should not just kind of um, wind us up and kind of set us off like a clockwork toy, but he should want to actually guide us and nurture us and uh, anybody who's been a parent, you'll know that that's part of, you know, that's the, that's the job, isn't it? You don't just have them and then release them into the wild. You kind of nurture them and shape them, these things that we call uh, children. Um, anyway, um, there we go. So uh, there's actually, I think there's about seven. So that's better than 18, isn't it? Seven, that's... Um, Jeff will tell us how much better than that. He can tell us the percentage, a fraction, uh, uh, or a decimal point. It's up to you, but he'll, he'll do that later. So uh, I want to start with this. Um, tell you a little story. Um, it happened probably about three or four years ago now. I was on a, a minibus going out to forest school with a group of, um, a group of um, children. They were year two children, these. Um, they were the children that, um, and I set myself up for this. I said, look, if there's any that are not coping with the pressures of SARS, let's get them out of the classroom and we'll take them out for a, um, um, a, a, an afternoon each week for... Um, for a half a term and it will just take the pressure off them but it also take the pressure off in the classroom with these kids that are not coping uh, let's give them something that they can do rather than something that they can't and as um, we were sat there when we were travelling to Elveston Castle um, they started to play this game and I know full well it must have been a game that they'd heard, seen or whatever from older siblings it would, would you rather be ok and um, but it was surreal. It was like, would you rather be eaten by a killer whale or uh, bludgeoned to death by a baboon? And they were coming out with all these, you know, and they, were having, and they were making decisions. Yeah, I'd rather be bludgeoned to death by a baboon. And then they just leave it as, as that, you know. Oh, okay. State of, a point of fact. Should a baboon come into the minibus, it's you that is having kind of thing. If it's a great white shark, then it's, it's, it's Billy over there. Um, would you rather be? And they were coming out with loads of these weird, fantastic ways of being killed, basically. Would you rather be this or that? Um, and and the, the thing that kind of really warmed my heart was one of the children went, well, it's this or that. You choose. And as a sign in school, I were really, you know, these, these delinquents, basically, that have been written off in education system, actually still want to communicate with each other. This or that, you choose, which is, this is um, sign along for choosing. Um, 
And that is, in a way, what God offers us in these Proverbs. It's a choice. This or that, you choose. This way or that way, you choose. And that's the way we're going to kind of approach these, um, these Proverbs tonight. We're going to try and draw some of the um, some titles, some kind of themes, and then look at what the choices are for us to choose between. So, Security. There's our first heading, security. Um, Verse 16 says, uh, Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. And um, following in 17, Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fatted calf with hatred. (coughs) And, um, And again in verse 25 it talks about um, I've taken them off, can't see them. I will learn to use these one day. Um, yeah, the Lord tears down the proud man's house, but he keeps the widow's boundaries intact. So in other words, uh, one reading into that is um, you can choose between um, being proud and looking after yourself or relying on God to look after you. Um, bearing in mind back in the day, um, the widow would have had uh, very little status and um, would have been at everybody's mercy and uh, would have been relying upon God to, to look after her. And it got me to thinking <coughs> how easy it is that we kind of look for our security in the wrong places. We sometimes, you know, I must get this job so that I can uh, have... Uh, this pay packet so I can have this bank account so it will pay for X, Y and Z. And we kind of build up um, a security based on, on finance rather than a security based on our father. Um, many of you will know uh, that for us um, I had that choice to make uh, a couple of years ago to come out of teaching and to be honest with you, teaching, the one thing it is, is dead regular. You get a pay packet every month, even when you're on holiday. Great. And it's very easy to kind of, to kind of just be cushioned by that and feel secure by that. And God challenged me, you know, when, when it was time, when he challenged me to come out of teaching, he, one of the things he said to me, well, are you going to rely on your pay packet? Or are you going to rely on me to look after you and the rest of the family? So there's a choice. God with a little, possibly, or loads of money, but a lack of peace. Which one would you choose? Verse 17, would you, um, you know, the fact that there's only vegetables to eat, I don't believe that that is a, uh, a lifestyle choice in this proverb. I think it's the fact that you're poor. And you can't afford me. So, would you be lean and loved, or have plenty and be, but be surrounded by hate? Which one? Where would you find your security? In God or yourself? Quite challenging stuff, isn't it? That. And what I want to tell you now that um, for uh, each one of these, 
I've found kind of God giving me a bit of a nudge as I've been preparing this week uh, because uh, surprise you, uh, this might do, but I'm not a finished article. God is still at work uh, sorting me out, just as at work sorting you out. So we're all in the same boat. Our second uh, heading, if you like, is a tempered tongue. A tempered tongue. Um, verse 19 says, The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. Um, sorry, that's the wrong one. Verse 18. This is why you should always wear your glasses when you're preparing as well. Verse 18, a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. Um, Verse 18. So you can either stir or calm a situation by what you say. Which would you rather be? Would you be a stirrer or a calmer? Verse 28. The heart of the righteous wears its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Would you rather gauge, think about it first, or gush? You choose which one. Um, <coughs> I don't know if anybody ever listens to uh, Sarah Tarbuck on uh, Radio 2 on Saturday night. We were driving back from the field a couple of weeks back, and uh, she said... Um, Lisa Tarbuck, sorry, sorry, Lisa Tarbuck. And she said, um, I have the mind of an intelligent 40-odd-year-old woman, but my mouth. How often do we have kind of a uh, a calm mind, but somehow when it gets translated from our, our mouths, it ends up being a gusher. Verse 23 talks, talks about being a person, a man who finds joy in giving uh, an apt reply and how good it is to have a timely word. Which is the, um, you know, that, that is the, the plus side, if you like, of having that... Um, that tempered tongue into it to be able to deliver a word that actually uh, fixes rather than breaks, that encourages rather than pulls down, that, uh, that aids rather than uh, disables, um, that helps rather than hinders. <coughs> so when it comes to our tongue, are we um, willing to have it tempered? I don't know... Um, I don't know how, uh, how much you know about tempering. It's not an easy process. It's not a quick process. And it's not a particular um, glamorous process for anyone involved. Uh, tempering uh, it is a process that's done to steel. And it makes it harder. It makes it more consistent. Uh, it makes it um, stronger. It actually aligns all the molecules inside it in the same direction. It gives it uh, uniformity. 
and it usually uh, takes place by being whacked, heated up and cooled down. Are we willing to subject our tongue, our speech, our language to being heated, cooled down and whacked? Integrity. Integrity. <coughs> Excuse me, mate. Verse 19 refers to uh, the sluggard. Uh, I, I can't help but think that that's probably a nod to the King James rather than the, um, rather than the, um, the actual translation. But I don't know. I like that word sluggard because <coughs> it rolls off the tongue, even a tempered one. Um, but it has that, that meaning of one who is kind of uh, lazy. Um, but still wants to get the good stuff. And if you're lazy and you want to get the good stuff, then more often than not you'll end up getting it through being dishonest. Hence the sluggard is contrasted with the upright which would you rather be a sluggard or upright if you had to have something carved into your gravestone which one would you choose here lies a sluggard or here lies someone who was upright or as verse 27 says someone who's greedy and the greed causes them to cut corners the greed causes them to um, want more and more for less and less Would you choose to be like that or would you choose to be honest and maybe miss out on some of the easy things as a result of being honest? <coughs> I think it was uh, Billy Joel who uh, wrote a song and it was called Easy Money. And in it he lists like a thousand and one different ways of getting money easily. Um, not many of them are very savoury to be honest. Not many of them are things that you'd actually want to put on your CV as um, ways that you earn your living. So which would you choose to be? Greedy or honest? Next one is pride. Verse 22. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. What's that got to do with pride? Well, more often than not, the reason that we don't seek counsel, we don't seek advice, is because we believe we know it all already. What can anybody tell me about this situation? How can anybody inform me about what I need to do? Verse 25, Lord, we've already talked about this one a little bit. <coughs> the Lord tears down a proud man's house, but he keeps the widow's boundaries intact. Would you rather be demolished because of your pride or secured because of your reliance on God? This is not airy-fairy theoretical stuff, is it? This, this is like where the rubber hits the road and nitty-gritty of life. <coughs> Sorry. 
wisdom. Verse 20. A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. Now, you'll know there is, uh, if you've been coming for any length of time, that there's a cost for being a preacher's son, wife, husband, friend, happen to have bumped into at any time during the memory because they crop up in a sermon. And it's very easy to, um, for it to be slightly negative towards these people, you know, uh, and to use them as a kind of negative teaching point. But I just want to tell you... Uh, uh, Council and all that business, yeah. But I want I want to tell you about Owen the other day, and he's panicking now because he's thinking which other day, okay? Uh, the other day, um, probably fortnight ago, um, I was kind of um, walking but dead. I've got terrible cough, terrible cold. Um, you know, one of them colds when it feels like actually your nose is the least of your problems because it's going to like pop out your eyes, you know, and, and it feels like somebody's pressing through from the back. Um, I've got one of them, and we've got to go and... Um, I, was, I, was, I was so... I felt so ill, I, I wasn't working. Uh, and for some of you who think so what, but for others who know me, you'll know that's, that's a bit of a deal. Um, but we need to go and feed the animals. And to add injury to insult... I'd been on a walk and I'd uh, bust me, my foot up uh, and walking in wellies through mud <laughs> was uh, quite painful. And we got to the field and um, somebody rang me and I, and I, said, and I said to Owen, oh, um, can you just empty stuff out of the back of the, uh, back of the car? And he started to get some stuff out of the back of the car and he'd done that and this phone call were, were going on. And I turned around and he'd gone. And he'd gone. But what he'd gone to do was to get a bale of hay from halfway up the field and carry it up to the top of the field to the hay feeder. <coughs> we had been instructed, prompted, nudged, niggled or um, any kind of heavy dose of sarcasm that that might be a good thing to do. He'd just gone and done it. He'd showed some wisdom. He knew what needed to be done. He'd done the first bit of it, bit of it seen how we're busy, and then used his initiative, his wisdom, to know what to do next. And I just sat there, just for a minute, and I thought, good lad. Nice one. And when Bert got home, I said, hey, you never guess what. And I, I recounted the, 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 the incident to Bert. And... Uh, Yay, brought some joy to my heart that he'd, he'd shown some wisdom. Uh, I'll not tell you about the axe and the finger incident. Um, <coughs> but anyway, um, so there's, that's, that was good. And let's face it, when it comes to our relationship with God, don't we just want to bring some joy to his heart by being wise and wisdom is doing what he does. Wisdom is doing it his way. Um, don't we just want to bring a smile to his face? You know, um, if we're living in relationship with him, we should want that. Um, 
But all too often, we fail to do that because, like the next proverb says in verse 20, verse 21, folly delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight course. The choice is to be distracted or guided. I don't know if you can tell that that bloke there is supposed to be driving, but he's texting at the same time. He's distracted. He's actually um, compromising his main task that he should be in about at that moment in time. And I always wonder <coughs> how often in our lives do we kind of... We, God tells us what we should be about and we kind of take two steps down that path and then it's like... That's nice. Oh yeah, Lord, we're supposed to be doing this thing. Yeah, it's nice, isn't it? And before we know it, we're actually, we're all our momentum in going down what we know God wants us to do has been lost because we've been distracted. We've been, um, we, we've kind of gone into the folly, the kind of the stupidity of something that's not what God wants us to do. Um, if we want to know about folly, what that word actually means, look to the Victorians. They were great at it. Uh, back home, uh, there's a, there was a landowner called Earl Fitzwilliam. And uh, if I said he had more money than sense, it, it helps kind of address this, this thing. You see, he had a, um, a big estate, most of the, the, the land around... Um, the north of Rotherham is owned, is owned by the Fitzwilliam estate, certainly was. And there's three follies on it. And by follies, I mean buildings that serve um, questionable use and purpose. The first one is uh, called uh, Needle's Eye. It's at a place called Street. And uh, basically, uh, Earl Fitzwilliam built that because uh, somebody quoted the scripture to him about a wise man driving... Um, through the eye of a needle, a, a rich man driving through the, the eye of the needle. So he spent thousands of pounds having a, a big stone needle built and drove a coaching horses through it. Um, the bet that he actually, that it would fall was less than the cost of the needle. He got distracted, if you like, by the folly. Uh, the second one is a place called Huber Stand, that's at Huber. And um, it's a tri- it's lovely to see, it's a triangular tower that looks a bit like a really out-of-place lighthouse. It's got a dome on top. Um, and um, the way it kind of justified it was so it's a hunting tower that you can go up and you can look where the deer are. Um, only it's it kind of on the side of a hill, so you can only look out one way. The other way, there's a wood and you can't see. Bit of a folly. The third one is called Keppel's Column. That's at, uh, near Thor um, Pesley. And that's just a column, like a, a, Greek, a Greco column that's, I don't know, 30 metres high. And you just think, what's that for? <laughs> you, can't, you can't even go to the top of it to have a view. It is just a column. And it must have cost, you know, in today's money, it would have been millions of pounds to build this thing. What folly! It achieves no purpose. It, it doesn't actually look particularly right or 
good to look at either because it's just a column. Would you rather bring joy or misery or would you rather be distracted with folly or guided in a right path? Which would you choose? We're getting nearly there. Our next theme is character. We've got three proverbs that feed into this. Verse 26. <coughs> Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but those of the pure are pleasing to him. Would you, if you could choose, would you choose to be detestable or delightful? Which would you choose? And a lot of these really seem to be no-brainers, really, don't they? If you care about the person that it matters to, which would you choose? Verse 30. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart and good news gives health to the bones. Would you choose to light up or diminish someone? You know, um, a true smile... Um, doesn't start just here. It starts just here. And just here. I don't know if you've, um, if you've ever had a, a colleague or maybe there's someone in your family. It's a colleague for me, just so you can relax. But um, it didn't matter what had happened You'd meet them at school and they'd have a face like misery. It could, it, could, it could curdle the milk. And when they got to telling you about, you know, what, what was happening, actually you think, it's not bad that. I tell you that, you know. Oh, we, all our carrots in our garden, they're all, they're all only five inches long. And we've only got 20,000 of them. And you're thinking, great, because none of mine have germinated. You know. Uh, or, uh, I don't know, but maybe you've got, maybe you know somebody who's the opposite, that when you, when you don't even have to speak to them, you just look at them and they, they make you smile. They cheer you up. Um, they've just got that look of, of kind of peace and joy and, uh, and happiness about them. And you just look at them smile and it kind of gets a little, it's a little bit infectious. Which would you rather be? Would you rather light people up or diminish them? And verse 33, again coming to our, speaking to our characters. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honour. <coughs> would you choose to be humbly honoured or not? Would you choose to be exalted by God because He knows you? Or not? Would you choose to submit to God's kingship and receive a kingdom as a prince and a princess? Or refuse to submit to His kingship and be an outlaw. 
Which would you choose? And finally, discipline. Verse 31. He who listens to a life-giving rebuke will be at home amongst the wise. <coughs> would you choose to be humbly homed or ignorantly destitute? Verse 32 says, He who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever heeds correction gains understanding. Would you choose which one? To be correctable or self-harming? Discipline sometimes needs to be done to us, with us. Sometimes we need to do it for ourselves. I guess the important thing about discipline is not what is done, but how we react to it. So there we are. <coughs> that's how each one of us, uh, that's, that's us, that. That's each one of us as an individual. And the Proverbs that we looked at tonight talk to our character. I wonder if that's an area that God would have us develop. Where God would kind of look at us and say, you know, that's solid, but you know that bit there, that, that's, that's rotten. We need to chop that out. We need to change that. Or maybe it's our integrity. Where we're maybe we're scoring 7 out of 10. But what about them three that we're missing out on? Them three points where we're maybe not as trustworthy as we ought to be. Not as true as we ought to be. Or maybe it's discipline. You know, discipline, I said it would be only the week when we're up here. It'd be um, so easy. Discipleship would be so easy if it just didn't involve discipline. If it didn't kind of involve us being changed, being impacted upon, being um, getting down to some nitty-gritty and actually things, uh, making things happen, making things change. Or maybe it's our tongue when we're just, uh, okay, most of the time, or maybe we're bad all the time with it, you know, or maybe it's every now and then. We say something that undermines someone or we... We cut somebody down with our tongue just like it were a sword. 
Or maybe it's our pride. And at the, at the middle of it, we think, well, A, we don't need anyone. B, we're better than everybody else. Or maybe not everybody else, but them in particular. Maybe it's our security. And we find it difficult to look for it in the right place. We find it difficult to look for it from God. Or maybe God's nudging us and saying, come on, you can lean on to me. I won't let you down. Or maybe it's our wisdom. And God would be saying to us, you know, you're a great bloke, you're a great gal, but you know what? Sometimes you're just daft. You choose to do the most ridiculous things. I'm showing you a better way. Will you walk in it? But that's what wisdom is, isn't it? It's knowing something and applying it, putting it into action. It's knowing the way ahead and walking in it rather than knowing what should be the way ahead but choosing a a different path. It used to, uh, in the days when we used to have collections, used to be said that uh, churches liked notes in the collection. What they despised most was change. I think that's still true, isn't it? What we despise most, what we fear most is change we fear God asking us to change we fear God changing us because even if we're in the middle of folly we tend to make it as comfortable as we can God would have us be wise even if it's a bit uncomfortable for a while 